A 200 mile double century bicycle ride is a lifetime in itself. It's halfway the distance from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Now imagine riding 100 double centuries in just about a decade, the equivalent of biking 50 times from SF to LA. It's nothing short of incredible, and to achieve it as a female ultra cyclist, now that's truly inspiring. On today's episode, I'll be chatting with the fiercest yet friendliest cyclist I've ever known about riding an ultra amount of double centuries and also riding the Hulu 500, Silver State 508, 24 hour world time trial championships, and the race across America. This is gonna be a fun one. I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey, Ultra family, Justin Tu here, your host of the Ultra Cycling Show. I'm really, really excited about today's episode, not just because it's with the first female ultra rider on the show, but also because she's somewhat of a mother figure to me in the ultra cycling world. And when I first started back in 2011 and 12, uh, she was one of the people that helped me out a lot. So really excited to welcome Teresa Beck, or as they call her, Teresa Tiger Beck. Thanks for joining me, Teresa. Hi, Justin, and thank you. I'm honored. Yeah, so you've been really busy with cycling even this year, even through the pandemic. And you recently actually just reached your 100th double century in the California Triple Crown series. And so that is something that I'd love to highlight in this segment. But before that, let's dive into a quick sprint round of questions. Just a series of questions to get to know you in a fun way. You could answer in a couple sentences. First question I have for you, Teresa, is how long have you been riding bicycles? I have been riding bicycles for 44 years. Started out just riding it to work and then expanded to riding it to a local beach. And then Hmm. things just happened. And you're tuning in from somewhere in Southern California, right? I am. I'm tuning in from Yorba Linda, California. Nice. And you've always been in Southern California, even when you were doing that work 44 years ago? No, uh, no. I am originally from Portland, Oregon area. And Uh in 78, I moved to Montana, to Whitefish, Montana, and graduated in Columbia Falls, Montana, and have family living in Kalispell, Montana. So I lived in Columbia Falls in high school. All right. So you've been all over. Now you're in sunny Southern California. No better place. That is true. (laughs) Okay. So you've been a bicyclist for a very long time. But how about an ultra cyclist? Ultra cyclist. I started my first um, 200 mile ride in 1998. And then I had two that year. In 2000, Mm -hmm. I had another one making um, three. And then I, a couple of years later, I did five and I got the gold, uh, California Triple Crown gold, volunteered. And then I really started hitting it hard in 2009 and started doing 17 doubles and then 15 and 15 and 15. And a very good friend of mine told me, hey, you're you're not too far away from um, 50 doubles. 
well, if we make this plan, you can get there in three years. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. And that was John Clare, the diesel. Oh, and yes. he helped me accomplish that. Mm. That's, that's such a great memory. That's very okay. cool. Okay, Teresa, we'll dive into more of your double century history here shortly. But first, how many bicycles do you own or have you owned over the last 44 years? Do you, can you remember? <laughs> oh, yes. I've owned five. I currently own two. Uh, my very first um, bike was a Schwinn and a downshift on the down tube. Oh. And I bought that with my taxes outside wow. of Reno, Nevada. Nice. And then, um, well, before that, when I was growing up, we, we as kids had bikes. So mm. um, we all uh, borrowed each other's bikes. But um, then I upgraded my Schwinn after it got stolen mm -hmm. to a Fuji. And that was a triple. And her name was Sweet Tea. Ooh. And then I upgraded that to a... Um, a Botakia, and mm. that had been raced uh, by a former racer. And um, then I bought my first custom-made Holland. Absolutely love it. Fit perfectly. Mm. I did have a Velagi, and I didn't fit on that right. And then my Holland, I was like, this is it. And so that's my most favorite bike. And I had a mountain bike. And... Mm. Um, I no longer have that, but looking at getting one, getting back into mountain biking. What bicycle computer do you use? I use Gar Garmin 1030. Mm. What's your favorite ride snack? Um, actually, I'm a soft, um, soft diet, so I do goo and uh, liquid food. Oh, okay, cool. What's your favorite uh, liquid food? I have Sustain Energy and Cytomax. Mm. I know a lot of people are like, uh, Cytomax, what? Um, that is what works for me and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, thing about ultra cycling, you have to really find what works for you, especially on the longer distances. Exactly. Now, I will say in the few doubles that they had Cytomax here in California, I actually quite enjoyed it. Uh, the flavor, it was nice. Yes. Okay. What's your favorite post-ride meal? Well, um, within 30 minutes, I like to have the Recoverite from Hammer, the mm. strawberry one. Mm. I had this container in my um, cupboard for like months, and I'm like, mm. what am I going to do with this? So I finally <laughs> tasted it, and I was like, uh. why haven't I been drinking this sooner? I'm hooked on it. It is cool. so delicious with some milk and ice. Mm. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it sounds refreshing. Very cool. Okay, when was your last ride and how long was it? That was Saturday and it was 100 miles. It was, um, excuse me, it was 200 miles and it was 10,000 feet of climbing. Wow. Nice uh, weekend ride. On a very hot hot extreme hot hmm. weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've been having a big heat wave out here in california haven't we okay teresa do you prefer in terms of terrain climbs descents rollers or flats well i my strength is on the down so i gotta have ah. the up to get ah. to the down 
So I'm working on getting stronger climbing, but mm. I can kick some butt going down. I That's love awesome. descending. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Un unusual for me. I'm always very conservative and on the, the safer side. It sounds like you have a need for speed and you're one of those daredevils. <laughs> I do. I that's am. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think especially as a female, that's really awesome to hear. Okay. When do you enjoy riding the most, Teresa? If, during the fall, the winter, spring, or summer? Um, I, I, I like the mm, last end of summer and fall. I'm usually in a lot better shape by that ah, time. Yeah. And there's usually quite a bit of events mm -hmm. but also you know the weather is is hot but not too hot and then you get the beautifulness of the fall mm. now here in california we don't really have four seasons yeah. uh, but if you get up you know in the mountains and you know and it starts raining and stuff you do get some pretty um yeah. uh flowers and, and mm. streams and stuff like yeah. that yeah, definitely. And especially there in SoCal. Geez, I feel like you only have one season down there. Nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. So now, how about time of day that you prefer riding or training? I would prefer to be up in the morning early. I normally get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Uh, mm -hmm. And if we're out riding at 6 or 6.30, um, I would love that Uh I like it to be warm though too. I'm oh. not real good with anything 55 or lower. Hmm. And 55 is kind of pushing it a little bit, but so if the temperature's in, you know, above 55 and in the morning, I like that. And plus I'd like riding in the dark. It's really neat. Oh. Uh, it's quiet out and as long as you got good lights, yeah, yeah. it's safe, you know. Yeah, cool. Now, how about riding in the dark, going down hills with good lights? Do you like that? I do. <laughs> I really do. I like it even better if the road is smooth pavement and oh, yeah. if the road is familiar to me. Mm. Okay, now just a fun bonus question. What double century is your favorite in terms of uh, descents? Is, um, I really like Eastern Sierra. Oh, yeah. yeah. The uh, descents on the back of Sage Hen. Mm -hmm. I was with my uh, one of my captains, Roland Hoffman, and we descended off of that, and we hit 100. It was, a, uh, excuse me, 64 miles an hour Holy on the tandem. That is very, very fast. I think we had a previous episode with Marco Ballo, you, you know him, ultra rider from yeah. Slovenia. He said his fastest time actually turned out to be on a flat, uh, you know, drafting in training. And he hit, I think it was about 65. And that's really fast. I mean, 64 going down a hill, that is insane, Teresa. I definitely gave all my trust to my captain. Mm. And I actually had to ask him to, you know, hit it hard and let off on the brakes. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it was and, pretty exciting. Right, and and so your your uh, your nickname uh, is Tiger, and I guess that is descriptive of your riding style and preference. <laughs> <laughs> it happened quite a long time in in a, a group of um, 
all uh, we call ourselves the ADO all day ordeal group. And I had just um, been out of shape and not doing well on most of the rides. And then we went up and we rode the Angeles Crest 100 and it's out, out of uh, Los Angeles uh, forest area. And they just thought I was going to be in the back and they're going to be waiting for me. Well, I don't know what happened, but I attacked them like a tiger and wow. blew by them and none of them could catch up with me. Wow. That's where my name came. Oh, cool. Finally, get to learn about that after all these years. Now, I first met you, I believe it was in, I'm not sure if it was 2011. Yeah, it was 2011, actually, my first Borrego double. But I think also on my second one is when um, you really helped me out. And then in those early years, you were always there kind of uh, coaching along and and helping along uh, a young lad that somehow accidentally got into ultra cycling. (laughs) took a wrong turn and ended up there. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) But fortunately for good people like you and also uh, Richard, uh, he was out there and you guys were riding on the tandem. It will be cool to jump into that. But before we dive into that, one other final sprint round question. What is your favorite event, ultra event, you've ridden for many, many years? Is there one in particular that you enjoy the most? Yes, I really enjoy Hoodoo 500. It's got the most beautiful terrain. It's uh, well run. It's in a great time of the year. And the descents are to die for. It's got huge climbs and um, awesome descending. And it brings in a really well group of ultra-endurance cyclists. You can qualify for Race Across America um, on Hoodoo. So there's a really good turnout. Yeah, and I just pulled it up here in the web browser. And I, I've seen the chatter online. It's actually, it's coming up, right? August 28th. It is, yes. And I'll be there supporting my boyfriend. Um, he's going to be doing the uh, 500 stage race. So he'll be able to sleep. We'll be able to sleep at night and see the beauty of the land during the day. Very cool. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure it'll make for a nice uh, activity, nice getaway, especially during this uh, pandemic, difficult to get out and about. It really is. It's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to escape in God's country mm. and just sit there and look at water, grass, flowers, mm. uh, mountains, and forget about everything else. Mm. Couldn't agree more beautiful world out there that God has created and uh, glad we could all enjoy it as ultra cyclists. That's what I love about it. You know, I started actually as a runner all through middle school and high school and beyond. But uh, the thing that I always tell people is, you know, running is not as fun because, well, you can't coast, can't go fast down hills like, you know, you can go fast down hills and you just can't go as long distance. I mean, there's ultra runners, but you know, covering 200 miles, 500 miles, 1,000 miles, or anything longer than that, that take a long time, and you have to really work for it if you're running. So, Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you definitely don't cover as much land as you do on a bicycle. Yeah. Running. Now, talking about covering a lot of land and also 
getting out to ride and enjoy the scenery. <laughs> there she is, Teresa Tiger Beck. Nice graphic and banner here that Zung Dang had created for you. Another guest we had on the show, episode two, if I'm remembering correctly. He's also the organizer of the Carmel Valley Double Century out here in California. And so you wrote this one uh, virtually, actually. So you didn't actually go out to Carmel and to ride around this area in Northern California. Tell me about what you did. So locally here, um, we had a small group put a route together, uh, which was poo-pooed at the last minute because of a, a local fire in the San Gabriel's um, in Azusa. So we were rerouted starting in Brentwood, um, California, down by Santa Monica. We went up the coast and went in uh, Santa Monica and did some climbing up there, hit over a 102 temperature. Oh my we dropped back down to the coast and up um, to Point Wainimi to Ventura. And then oh, we yeah. uh, meandered over to uh, Lake Casitas, which ended up to be about 110 oh my degrees. Goodness. Climbed out of there and dropped down to the coastline to Rincon and off the 101 on the coastline and then headed back into uh, Point Wainimi, did a few miles around um, that area and then back up the coast past Malibu and then into um, Brentwood, uh, Santa Monica area. Wow, that was a very long ride. It was a real long ride. It was extremely hot. I um, had the pleasure of being on the tandem with my boyfriend, and I love tandem riding. I've done yeah. a lot of riding on tandems, and we worked real well together. We uh, were very successful. We got along the whole way, and um, we were just climbing fools. I don't know what what happened. Everything clicked, yeah. but we were out hmm. climbing the singles, which doesn't hmm. normally happen. It was no. a great. Well, it sounds like a, a nice day on the bike, but very challenging. But I guess no better way, you know, to kind of um, get your 100th double century, which is what you accomplished this past weekend, uh, doing that virtual Carmel Valley double century. So a big congratulations to that. I mean, that's a huge deal. And for any of the ultra riders, they, you know, watching, they obviously would know what a big achievement that is. Uh, but for those who are not ultra riders, um, you know, riding a double century, just one of them is a huge challenge, just in terms of the physical uh, abilities that you need, the mental strength that you need. But even also, you know, when it comes to the logistics of it, getting down to a certain event, wherever that location may be all throughout California or in the nation or around the world. And to do 100 of those, that is a huge deal. And to give people a context of, of, of what that means, um, there are just a handful of people that are in that club, I guess the 100 mile or 100 double century plus club. And so you're one of the few now. And out of, you know, arguably thousands um, of double century racers uh, through the decades. So tell me about what this means to you, having reached 100 double centuries. Um, first of all, it's, a, it's an honor to, to be able to have the mental uh, capacity 
to make it through the up and downs um, that a 200 mile ride um, creates. And then to be physically fit, to not be in discomfort and pain throughout the whole ride because that's what it is is you're putting your body under a lot of uh, pressure and stress um and your mind also um gets fatigued and it starts fighting with your your body it starts fighting with your heart and so just to accomplish that part is huge and when i started riding the devils um speed wasn't that important to me it was more about the social aspect. And then it became about helping others and encouraging those that were out um, struggling or had their first one and just being, you know, a, um, a, a leader in that. And uh, that became extremely important to me. Uh, do believe I was inspirational in helping a lot. Um, I was well known because I did a lot. I mean, the year I did 17 uh, doubles, I was like, you know, everybody knew me out there because I was always out there. And um, I always try to keep an upbeat um, uh, way about me, even if I am um, having a hard time myself. So, yeah. uh, you know. I remember putting all my all my rides on my Strava, and I had peop, I had riders pinging me saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this ride. I'm going to do that ride. Hey, where's the toughest climb? Where's the steepest grade? Can you tell me about this corner and that corner?" And after 17 doubles, it's like they all came together. I was like, "Oh, I, mm. I'll have to go back and look at the route." <laughs> <laughs> that's but, that's awesome. Yeah, and you, you talked about helping other riders, and I, I alluded to that earlier, you know, in the beginning of my ultra career, which was in double centuries here in California. I remember doing the Borrego Springs double century, a very challenging one, and I remember you were there, and something that I've always known about you through all the years is just your, your level of energy and excitement through all the rides, whether I see you at one of the stops or we bike past one another on the roads. You're always just have this huge, big smile on your face and, uh, you know, uh, just a big cheer for whoever, whoever's coming by. So it's always nice when you're out on the roads to see a, a friendly face, especially one like yours. Wow. And yeah, back in, I, I, I want to say it was 2012, which was my second Borregos uh, double century. I remember sitting at the last rest stop can't remember exactly. I think it's probably around 150, 160 miles, right? Right. And yeah, just the last stretch. Similar, uh, for those who have done the Race Across America, they'll be familiar with that kind of section because, uh, well, I think that year we were actually going down the glass elevator, I believe. We uh, did. We got finish. rerouted because there was a fire at, on Banner Grade. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I remember sitting there at the rest stop, and I think I pulled in and you and Richard were already on, uh, you, you were right in tandem that ride. I think you were already there. I pulled in and I was dead beat. I mean, it was so cold, uh, usually up there at elevation, you know, I was probably at least in the forties, uh, which isn't terribly cold, but after a long day on the road, it was hot as you're going uh, out to the coast and turning around, coming back inland towards Borrego. So you're sweaty, uh, you're, you're wet. 
uh, just tired. And of course, I wasn't very fit back then. I think that was probably one of my first five double centuries. And I remember one of the volunteers let me hop in his van, blasted the heater, and gave me a huge uh, two or three blankets and a nice big hot uh, cup of hot chocolate, which is uh, some of the worst mistakes you can make as an ultra rider. <laughs> Never get into someone's van with the heater on when it's cold, late at night, and you're towards the end of a double century. Because I ended up falling asleep, and I remember my dad telling me, because he was volunteering there at that stop, he was saying, hey, that tandem group, I think I actually rolled in with you guys, actually, now I remember. Yes. Yeah, that stop. And yeah. Yeah, and then you guys were taken off. My dad opened the door. I said, "Hey, hey, that tandem, that tandem uh, couple that that rode in with you, they're taken off. If you're gonna finish this ride, your best bet is to go with them. You got to go now." I was so out of it, I just couldn't. So I ended up falling back asleep. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. taking off? <laughs> yes, I. Um, Roland, it was Roland Hoffman and I. Yeah. And oh, Roland, our, right. Our rear tire was going out of true. So we rolled into that rest stop and Kermit Garnier was there and he, um, they had been working on it and it was taking a while. Right. So and it was very cold. And so I saw you in that van <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get in that van. I don't know who this kid is, but, yeah. you know, but I know that he rolled in with us and yeah. I know his <laughs> name is Justin, but he's not going to mind. So yeah. I get in there and you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're trying your best to, to be positive, but you're, mm. you're definitely at the toll taken on you. And so we talked a little bit and then I let you sleep and then, <clears throat> then, uh, it was time to, you know, get on that tandem. And I was like, yeah. Oh God, I don't want to get on this tandem. I'm comfortable and warm in here. <laughs> um, but I got out and I said, you know, something like, Hey, Justin, you know, what, why don't you come and ride with us? And your dad, you popped right, his head right. in there and said, come on, you got to go ride with them. And we're right. like, we will ride all the way with you. Right. We will stay. You can stay with us, you know, be close to us. And so yeah. you're like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And you did, and you finished it. Yeah. Well, actually there was a small detail there, but I'll pick up <laughs> the story where you left off there. I remember because, so the Borrego, W Star in Borrego, you go out to Oceanside then you come back. It's kind of similar to the first hundred or so miles of Ram. And um, actually, I do remember we were at the lunch stop together. I think I caught up to you guys just before that, had a quick lunch, and then I stuck with you guys from Oceanside all the way back there. Rolled in, and from the lunch stop, you guys, uh, you and Roland had those mechanical issues, which kind of helped me because then you guys were going a bit slower from the lunch stop uh, till that, that last stop. And we rolled in. Because of the mechanicals, you guys ended up staying so much longer than you would have otherwise. So it gave me plenty of opportunity to recover, get warmed up, and get reinvigorated. But then, actually, you guys took off because it was probably at least 30 minutes or even longer uh, because of the mechanical. You guys fixed it. You guys took off. And that is when my dad said, they're leaving. They're leaving. You got to go. But I just couldn't uh, muster the strength, and I couldn't wake up. So a few minutes later... My dad comes back to the car. He's yelling, hey, they're back. They're back. And I was wondering, what do you mean they're back? Who? Why? What? And he said, the tandem, the tandem group, they're back. And I'm like, why the heck would they be back? And I think because you guys had left your saddlebag or something. I left my camel back. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> it was almost a godsend. I had a, a second opportunity. So uh, then 
I remember my father, I asked him to fill up my water bottles uh, <laughs> with hot chocolate. And I took up with you guys. And man, that was a difficult last 40 or so miles for me. But uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and like you've been saying through this whole uh, segment so far, you know, your willingness to help other people. I mean, both you and Roland, I remember uh, just fond memories through the, all the years, especially in my early years where you know, I wasn't very fit, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but you guys were always there. And, you know, 10 years later, uh, can't believe it. You know, I still, that, those memories stick with me. And that's why just being able to have this chat with you uh, is just really a lot of fun and a great privilege. And at least uh, an opportunity that I can actually, I guess, for the first time, probably, I mean, face to face, say thank you, you know, for that. And because of that, obviously, since that time, uh, you know, 2011, 12, uh, you know, I was able to uh, spread my own wings and develop them for myself and do a lot of other ultra uh, things, uh, including having done, I think, 52 doubles now. And I, I, I did my 50 and was inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years ago and couldn't have done it without you and, and Roland. Who, who, who knows what would have happened after that if I had DNF'd on that event. So thanks again for that. You're welcome. Exactly. Yeah. You know, 2015, I think that's when was I did when I think that's when I got my 50 was 2015. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and that's the year that um, I did the race across America. Now, yes. I do want to switch to that. And uh, this isn't about me, but definitely about your story. But thanks again for helping me. I wanted to highlight that just to show people. Well, I think it's just so cool how how close the ultra family is and how people are so willing to help one another. Yes. I think you epitomize that in the ultra family. So if any, anybody has a tough time out there on the roads, make sure you look out for Teresa tiger Beck. <laughs> <laughs> She'll definitely help you out. But again, big congratulations on the hundred doubles. Again, for those of you who are watching, I mean, that's a huge deal. How many years did it end up taking uh, to, to reach that mark? Um, well, I started in 99, but really had a break there. And I started uh, doing um, many doubles since 2009. Wow. Yeah. So, so, I mean, whether it's 10 years or, you know, longer, yeah. I mean, geez, that's just incredible in terms of how much commitment that is for people to understand, just to kind of circle back on that one last time. I mean, to even ride one double century is difficult. The amount of training that you need just to go into that single one, to ride multiple doubles in a given year, to get the triple crown in the California triple crown series or the thousand mile club if you do five, I mean, that's a huge feat in itself. But to come back year after year and if you did your first one in 98 and you just kept on coming back and, and then for the over the last decade, you know, every year, especially doing 15, 16, 17 doubles in a, in a single year, that is a huge deal. And I'm sure a lot of back-to-back -back doubles, um, just a lot of training and fitness that you need to keep from one year to the next. And, and the training for these things, I mean, long rides, you're at least doing 100 miles, if not longer. So that's a huge, huge commitment and uh, therefore huge accomplishment. And again, uh, big congratulations, Teresa. Thank you. Now, there are some other cool photos here from your virtual double. Again, uh, for those who don't know, um, the pandemic has caused a lot of events to be canceled, of course. And fortunately, in the California Triple Crown Series, a lot of the event organizers have been able to offer a virtual option for their rides. And uh, if I'm understanding correctly, Teresa, you simply have to cover the same distance and the same elevation, right? Um, you almost. You need to cover 200 miles 
and the same elevation. Oh, okay. So you know, some of the some of the doubles are only uh, 189, 198. Hmm. Um, so, but on the virtuals, you do have to do 200 and the elevation. Oh, <laughs> see my little tiara there they set that up with me on in the morning that stayed oh. for the whole ride yeah i see that that's <laughs> awesome Teresa. and you're looking fresh and happy out here yeah that's up on top of stunt in the santa monica's oh yeah beautiful nice so it looks like uh there was uh you guys had some nice support here because this looks like a legit stop Rest up. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Melinda, Claire, and Jennifer are uh, our supporters, and mm -hmm. they've been out on many of the um, virtual doubles. Uh, I think we had a probably about seven riders, so we were under the ten limit. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, great support. Uh, you know, um, doing our social distancing as much as mm -hmm. possible. Um, and we all packed our own lunches and we had our own coolers and so wow whole another dynamic to, to yeah. ultra riding huh <laughs> okay now i i can't help but notice this huge tub of cookies yes okay is that one of your favorites or uh oh, that was melinda claire uh, um, made those and oh my gosh nice. i enjoyed them that day i don't normally eat very much solid food, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I did enjoy those. <laughs> yeah, well, well-deserved. Geez, after 100 doubles, you could have at least one cookie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Looks like, I mean, I mean, geez, just looking at the photo, it looks like a beautiful day, but people wouldn't know from the photo that it was over 100 degrees a lot of the time, right? Yeah, right there was 100 degrees. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Must have been an incredibly epic ride. And I see you here on the tandem. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That's a cool setup. Yes, that is yeah. our Purple Love. The tandem oh, okay. is purple and uh, its name is Purple Love. Yeah, yeah. So, so my boyfriend, Chris, had not ridden a tandem before any... Uh -huh. Uh, has a friend that had tandem, and um, so he let him uh, ride as a stoker. And Chris is like, I don't like being a stoker. <laughs> Stoker's the person in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, and Chris is like, I don't know if I want to be responsible, you know, having you on the back. And if I, you know, if anything happens to you and so forth. So I take, a, I, you know, I, I ask him every once in a while, hey, you know, I really like riding tandem, you know. Hmm what do you think about getting a tandem and um we kind of you know uh, shied away from it and i go to indonesia before the pandemic blows up and i come back and he says i have a surprise and i'm like oh hmm. i have a surprise it's in the garage it was the day i got back from wow. traveling from um indonesia hmm. and so i'm you know kind of blurry eyed and i'm needing a little bit of rest and go in the garage he goes did you see something in there i'm like no and he goes hmm. Come, takes me over and here's this yeah. purple tandem <laughs> i'm like this is awesome this wow. guy this guy's gotta love me if he's gonna get a tandem and learn mm. how to be a captain and he's awesome. awesome yeah definitely a keeper definitely a keeper yeah ride together stay together exactly <laughs> <laughs> now he doesn't have to wait for me on the ride i'm right behind True. him <laughs> 
Cool. Yeah. No, great, great teamwork and team building there. So I'm sure that'll help a lot. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Now I'm curious, who's this uh, writer here on the right hand side? That is Rick Jacobson. Oh, okay. And the one in the middle up front is Margaret Powell. Cool. Yeah. The reason I asked about this uh, person here, this writer uh, kind of uh, reminded me of Brooke Henderson's uh, leg muscles there, nice and big and strong. And the kit kind of the similar colors, I think. <laughs> yes. And actually, um, Brooke Henderson was out riding in the Santa Monica's and we ran into him. So oh, no funny way. that you say, yeah, he was out yeah. there. We have pictures of him. That's so awesome. That's the thing that I love. Again, it's just a recurrent theme through all these episodes with a bunch of ultra riders. It's just such a small world. And, and with the ultra family, it's such a close knit family that you're just out riding and you always see the, the people that, that you ride with on, on different events. And, and that's always a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I really do miss the, um, the uh, social aspect of the, yeah. the doubles. And, you know, when I was doing all the massive amount of doubles in a year, yeah. you know, um, you, it, it, it kind of becomes a little bit on the front, you know, financially mm. hard. So you start volunteering you know, and so when you volunteer, you volunteer on the day of the ride. So you're not, you know, actually riding. Mm -hmm. I really liked riding the ride because you see everybody all the right. time, you know, right. and that was always a thrill. Yeah, that's Chris and I descending off of Payuma. Oh, my goodness. What an epic photo. I mean, this is definitely one for your photo album, especially for your 100th double. That looks in Isn't that beautiful? incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and for those who don't live in California, I mean, California is unique in the sense that we have so many double centuries every year, and you get a ride in places like this, and it's just another aspect of ultra cycling that just keeps bringing us back, as you were talking about earlier as well. Wow, but yeah, I just can't help staring at this photo. It's just such a great one. You definitely need to print this one out and frame it up on the wall. I agree, yeah. yes. Wow. Yeah, really cool. And like you were saying, you kind of actually touched on um, something that I, we didn't discuss yet about the achievement of doing 100 double centuries, not just physically, not just mentally, the logistics and all that, but the finances too. And, and what people don't realize or they may not realize is that, you know, just doing one double century, especially if it's not nearby in your hometown or you're there in Southern California, if it's not there, if you're coming up to Northern California for something like the Devil Mountain Double or Terrible Two or something like that, or even Eastern Sierra, um, you know, you're having to drive out there. There's all the costs. It's typically a multi-day uh, effort, you know, through the weekend that you have to get an accommodation, uh, you know, you're eating out and then uh, all of those uh, aspects to it. So a hundred double centuries, I mean, that's a lot of uh, fi financial costs and also all the training and everything you have to have gone through. So just an incredible achievement. And uh, man, I remember when I first started riding doubles and I'm sitting there in the, in the uh, heated van at Borrego, you know, maybe on, I think that was maybe either a double century number three or five and thinking about getting 50. I mean, I wasn't sure that I'd be able to do that in my lifetime. And now that I'm at 52, I feel like getting to a hundred. I mean, that's, I, I just can't even fathom that. It's, um, I think it's just one of the things with ultra cycling, right? And you can probably relate. It's just one pedal stroke after the next, whether it's an event or going for 50 or 100 double centuries or doing any other ultra event, right? I agree. I agree. And now I have to say with you, 
absolutely remarkable how fast you have become. I mean, in the front, if not first, second, or third, uh, you know, most likely up, at least up in the fourth, uh, yeah. out of everybody on the double. Um, now, not everybody is out to race it, uh, yeah. but, you know, I mean, somebody, a lot of them do the tourist one where, you know, you just, you, you know, you finish, and if you finish past the time, then, you know, there's no support. Right. Um, but you just, you really came into your time. You really came into your, your, um, your passion, I believe, because I'd see you out there and I was like, wait, I'm three quarters of the way done and he's already done. And he's, <laughs> you know, showered and, oh, and your parents. We love your parents. Oh my gosh. They were at every one of your events, <laughs> mm. supporting, smiling, laughing, serving. Yeah. Awesome. Hats yeah. off to them. Well, thanks for that. And of course, me as a rider, I've enjoyed knowing people like you and many others that I've seen out on the events and on the roads. But, you know, for my parents as well, they felt even just as volunteers and they've done over 50 double centuries as volunteers. Uh, and actually, when I got my 50th, I made them a special plaque uh, that, that, that commemorated that for them as well. I thought that was a big deal. And uh, even for them, they, they, they've grown to just love the sport love the community, love the writers and, and helping writers like myself, like you and, and others, because it's just such a, it's just such a beautiful family. So many friendly faces, uh, so much love and support. And, um, you know, for me, it's one of the reasons why I was able to do so much so quickly and to just continue to, you know, increase my passion and uh, ambitions in the sport because having, you know, supportive uh, parents, or supportive family or friends or a community of, of bicyclists, um, that goes a long way in the sport. And I think that's why, and we, we kind of touched on it already, that's why we love that social aspect of it because it's not just about amazing achievements and, and challenges to grow ourselves in character and discipline and all these things, but just the, the support and the encouragement and uh, struggling together and, and succeeding together, that's just a huge deal and it grows some of the closest bonds and connections you can, you can get in life. Yes, totally. Now I'm just scrolling through here on your Facebook album, just a few more photos um, as we wrap up the discussions on your hundredth double century, a lot of fun ones there. And then I do also want to turn to, <laughs> I see some really comical ones there. I won't, point them out <laughs> <laughs> i see a nice cake here to celebrate yes mm, delicious mm. what do we have I here i mean i think this is noteworthy oh this is a this i call it a chocolate a double chocolate raspberry filled mm. it was so good <laughs> um after they had a um uh, a, a the writers were there um, that did the double, and we had pulled pork, homemade pasta salad, homemade coleslaw, homemade um, barbecue sauce, bread, um, water, and uh, chocolate cake with ice cream Ooh. to celebrate. <laughs> and I was just—I couldn't believe it. I was, yeah, it—it it was very fulfilling. Um, in my heart and mm. uh, 
very, very thankful to have such great friends and such a great family. So yeah, I think definitely. Well, go big or go home. So I'm glad yeah. you were able to celebrate like that. Yep. There's Kermit. See Kermit. Yep. yep. Another great guy in the ultra community. Yeah. A lot of cool photos. Now, as we kind of just scroll through these remaining photos, Teresa, I know, I mean, a hundred double centuries, that's huge. And I'm glad we were able to capture that here today. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story. But you've also done a whole lot of other ultra events. You've done the Silver State 508. You touched on the Hoodoo 500 before. You've done the Race Across America and others. I'd love to discuss those and just kind of see more of who Teresa is as an ultra rider, even outside of the double centuries. And, you know, maybe you could just choose one of those events and, and kind of go from there. Um, well, I, I've also did the um, 6, 12, 24-hour world uh, time trial championships out of Borrego. Mm. The first one I did on a tandem with my um, captain, Steve, uh, Steve Maitree. And then I did a, the 12-hour on a tandem uh, with Richard Hoff, and we um, created a new record. And then uh, last year I did uh, a two-person 60-plus with Steve Maitree as a um, relay team. And this year I get to do a 24-hour with my boyfriend, Chris, uh, Bergie Bergstrom. And we're doing 50 plus. Um, so you did the race across America. That was in 2018? That was 2018. My friend Steve Burns' wife said, you know, Steve, what do you want to do for your birthday this year? And he says, mm, I want to race across America with three of my best buddies. And she's like, <laughs> what? like yep that's what i want to do and she said okay who are your best buddies so i get a phone call hey oh. tiger yeah. hey you want to do you know race across america and i'm like um um yes definitely yes of course <laughs> and he goes we have full sponsorship and i'm like hell yeah wow. i'm in it nice. so he calls um steve mitree and steve said yes and he calls vic cooper and Vic Cooper says yes. So it's a four-person, 50-plus, mixed, and I'm the only woman on the team. And wow. it was awesome. Well, the only tiger on the team also, right? Only tiger on the <laughs> team. <laughs> That's so cool. So tell me about, I mean, we'll, we'll have to have a whole other episode about, I mean, RAM, your RAM experience, Hoodoo, Silver State, and all that. But really curious uh, for your RAM experience, I mean, there are a number of female cyclists out there in the ultra world. And geez, I feel like almost every female is just super strong like you, which is incredible and a great representation. Um, now you're the only female on this Ram team. What was your experience like? And what was your favorite part of it? My experience was I felt a lot of respect from um, Steve, Steve and Vic. Mm -hmm. And um they showed me in that they kept on complimenting me that I was the most consistent rider. Yeah. yeah. And um, we, we struggled in the RV for sleeping because 
the mattress was like a waterbed and you flew around all over the place oh when you were supposed to be sleeping. But I got it down to where I could go to sleep within half an hour and stay asleep until I was awoken. Mm. Um, I liked the, I liked um, racing along with uh, Steve Maitree. Mm. He and I did the shifts together and our tag team, we uh, were right on and um, we both were happy. And, you know, the first couple of days were, you know, you were off and you were un- wanting to know if it was really going to come together. And then the third day came and, it, and, and things started coming together. And then the fifth day, you didn't even know it was the fifth day. You couldn't even remember what day it was because yeah. everything was working out so well. And then the sixth day comes and you're like, oh, we're where, you know, we're, we're in Pennsylvania. What, you know, on the seventh day is, Oh, we're near finish. Oh my gosh. You know, what day is the seventh day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it, it was my teammates and not only the teammates, it was our volunteers. We had 12 volunteers and we had a team from, um, uh, Puerto Rico, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and they'd been doing it um, and supporting other Ram racers before, and we got lucky that year. There, a rider had um, fallen and was not able to start his race, so they were available. And then we had um, the other racer, or the other crew were our friends, and to take a week off and come out and support was the most beautiful thing Mm. again reconfirming that do unto others as Mm. though you want done into yourself and Mm. uh, you know things happen most definitely sounds like a fun experience and you guys had things dialed in pretty nicely there now but it is a big event and i i suppose that was the largest event in terms of the distance covered uh, that you had done up until that point, right? Yes, it was. Yes. So I'd imagine there there were different, maybe low points, even just for you, maybe even small things. But um, tell me a little bit about that and, and some of the challenges you had, whether it was physical or mental. Um, I can only really remember one low point, and that was keeping me on the bike a little bit too long hmm. um, out of a certain area. Well, okay, there's two parts. I mentioned that I'm a descender. So um, Steve and I climbed up um, Wolf Pass in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to descend off that thing. (laughs) I was awake and, you know, I mean, I was ready to haul butt down that pass. And our crew chief was like, nope, sorry, we're staying on schedule. You're getting in in the RV. And, Mm. you know. I tried my whining and I gave my, you know, sad face and he's like, Nope, we can't do that. You know, Mm. we're we're staying up. And so, you know, I had to accept it and I moved on, but Mm. man, was I ever looking forward to that descent. (laughs) Um, And the other one was, is they did give me a a, a descent. uh, um, I started first and descended off this great pass Mm. um, that Steve climbed up and Mm. Uh, it was warm, and I just was on the bike too long, and I was I was struggling. Mm. Um, and 
um, my van was out a little bit too far to really kind of let them know, hey, I'm done. I'm done mm -hmm. here, um, which I, I never felt before except for that one time. So when I got up to our van and, and our rider, um, I was ready to get in and I didn't mm -hmm. have much more to pull us up um, mm -hmm. up the climb. Uh, yeah. So other than that, really, I mean, I, I can't think of any bad parts. You know, mm -hmm. one time I had a cup of coffee, mm -hmm. um, sweet coffee, and it accidentally slid off the, the stand in the back and went all over <laughs> Rick Cooper's oh. um, sleeping bag. Uh -oh. And I, I felt horrible because now he had to sleep in coffee yeah. um, <laughs> until they washed it. <laughs> Um, but you know, those were just the small things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All the fun little challenges that you have along the way, whether it's race across America or even a double century or even a training ride really. But thanks for sharing those. It's uh, always interesting to hear about the different challenges people face. And it's funny to hear about your, your descending uh, challenge that you had there. And you really <laughs> wanted to do that on the famous Wolf Creek pass, the great divide. Yep. Yeah, I can oh. imagine you would be bombing down that and just having a blast. And it was sunrise, too, when we got oh, to wow. the top of the mountain. So yeah. it was cold, and they pulled mm. Vic Cooper out of the warm RV to uh -oh. do it. He's like, I really don't want to do this. But Tiger, <laughs> nope, well, you we're sticking to our heads. <laughs> he went down yeah. it. I mean, he enjoyed it, but yeah. yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, I, I want to just touch briefly on a couple other things that you've done before. You mentioned the 24-hour World Time Trial Championships in Borrego. Now we've discussed RAM. You've also done the Silver State 508, the Hoodoo 500. You've also done the Rockwell Relay in Utah. Just give me a sense of uh, those and in, in contrast in comparison to uh, RAM and the 24 and other things that you've done. What were some highlights and you know, perhaps even other challenges that you might have had in those different events? Well, I, I, what I can say is that I'm not a soloist. I love teamwork, and I don't want to be out there suffering by myself. And when you work as a team with, you know, one other, a two-person team, a four-person team, there's not a whole lot of suffering going on because you're not out there for 508 miles by yourself trying to finish in 48 hours. And it's funner, you know. What happens in the van stays in the van. And there's a lot of fun things that happen in the van. Yeah. <laughs> um, but doing those events helped prepare me for Race Across America because mm -hmm. – on um, the ultra-endurance events, uh, you have 48 hours to accomplish it, and you're most likely going to be up for that full 48 or even more because you get into the town where the event is, and you're mm -hmm. up, and you try to sleep a little bit before the race. Right. Um, and then the race usually starts at 7 a.m. in the morning on a um, Friday or a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then you're just up. I, I'm a person that... Uh, once I'm up, I'm up. So uh, some people can go to sleep in seconds. Um, that's really not how I am unless I was a solo writer, then I probably would. But um, so, and it also helped me. The first time I did um, Hoodoo 500, I actually crewed and was a crew chief for Roland Hoffman. 
And that's where I learned about being a crew member. Mm-hmm. And being a crew member also taught me how to be a, um, a cyclist, an ultra endurance cyclist during these uh, events. When I first started, did my first um, Hoodoo 500, I actually had to have Roland Hoffman, which was my captain then, mm. uh, crew captain, he had to tell me, hey, listen, you're not the crew chief. You're not the crew captain. You're the rider. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, calm down, back off, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and just ride it and enjoy that. So all those um, things that you experience as a rider and as a um, crew member helped me with Race Across America. Hmm. And the fact that, you know, yeah, you're in an RV and there's four hour, four hour um, time um, givens, you know, you race for four hours and hmm. then you are in the RV for four and then you race for four in RV. Hmm. Um, you know, it gives you time to know what you have to do, what you need to do hmm. to prepare yourself um, to be the best you can be on the next four hours and you just do that day after day until you finish. Mm, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. So you've accomplished a lot, Teresa. I mean, a hundred doubles, you've done Ram, you've done, you know, some of the biggest and most challenging events in the ultra world that you could possibly do. So I wonder what else is on your bucket list? What's, what keeps you motivated and what are you working towards, you know, whether it's this year or in the next few years? Um, what keeps me motivated is that cycling gets me out into God's country. God's country is the mountains. God's country is the, the desert. It's anywhere except for inside my home or on the freeways here in Southern California (laughs) or in my office at work. And, um, the beauty that you get to see some of the places I've gone, I would never have driven in my car. Um, and, uh, this year, uh, this year I was supposed to do race across the West on a four person team. And that's been, um, shoved to next year. And then I was supposed to also race, um, uh, let's see here, uh, hoodoo on a four person team and that's pushed till next year. And, um, so two were pushed and I'm racing 24 hour and I'm, I picked up silver state 508, Ah. which was unexpected. Um, so I'll be racing with Shelby Weber, a two person, um, team and, uh, Mostly, it keeps me in shape. It helps me keep my weight off. It helps Mm. me keep my lungs healthy. Mm. It helps me stay connected to my friends. Mm. Um, And it gives me goals and it gives me a purpose in Mm. life. And, you know, I get up, I get out of the house, I get up early, and it just fulfills my heart and my Mm. mind. Well said, Teresa. Yeah. 
I love uh, everything about you as a writer and as a person, and you're definitely an inspiration to many out there. And I would say, especially female writers and any that maybe are considering or on the fence of doing an ultra event. And for them, whether female or male, young or old, what are some of your tips that you would give them to get started with ultra cycling? I would say reach out to others that are ultra cyclist that um reach out to your local community of cyclists uh look for some cycling clubs mm -hmm. go to california triple crown website look at the events um i remember you know just being connected to our ADO gang all day ordeal mm. and they turned me on to doubles and from there I blossomed and um, you know if if you can get out and you can get the miles in on the weekends you run into people out on the, on the bike paths out at the beach or wherever you bicycle say hi to people you know get eye contact screen say hey across the road you know they'll lo look up and be a little stunned but you'll probably get a hello or a good morning um because sometimes it's unusual you know to get that and just look at brightening up people's um outlook and your own will be brightened hmm. well said wise words teresa and I must say you're the friendliest and fiercest tiger that I've ever known. <laughs> and uh, so, Teresa, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Just a couple quick questions, sprint around to the finish. Fun way to end. <laughs> First question I have for you is, how would you rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance on a scale 1 to 10, 10 being superb and always on top of everything, cleaning, maintaining, lubing, all those different things? Three, because my boyfriend does all my maintenance for me because I nice. and I've been lazy. <laughs> but if you put me out there and you want me to clean my bike and change my tires, and yeah. I could do that. So it yeah. could be a five, but now it's a three. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you deserve that after so many doubles and uh, so many years. <laughs> okay. When is your next long ride? And how long will it be? <clears throat> well, I ride a lot on the weekends, but my next long ride will be Silver State 508. Wow. And nice. that's in September the uh, 19th. All right. We'll look forward to that. And as we continue to follow the Tiger's journey, uh, we'll see what else you devour out there. I'm sure there's many other events that you'll be able to conquer. And we'll have to have you back on the show again. And so thanks again for taking the time and also for being our first female ultra rider on the show, first of many. And I know you've always been a source of encouragement and inspiration for me. And I, I'm sure for many of those who are going to be able to watch this. So thanks again for being able to share your story and journey with everyone in the ultra family. Yeah. Thank you so much, Justin. Again, it's an honor. Um, and, uh, I appreciate you and what you are accomplishing for the ultra endurance cyclist or even the cyclist at heart. And 
I look forward to seeing your son and you <laughs> on a tandem someday, oh, or even yeah. you, your wife, yeah. and your son on a can uh, on a three-person bike. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely coming up. Uh, stay tuned for that. Okay. And in fact, uh, here just for fun and just for my own enjoyment, I'll share a little photo here. Oh my gosh. My wife, Christy, very supportive, of course. Couldn't do all my writing without her, but also my little son. I think he was three, three or four months old here. He's five months old now, but just can't wait till he uh, has long enough legs to reach the pedals. (laughs) My boyfriend, Chris, wants to see. Oh, Oh, that's precious. Great family. Christy's awesome. From the, from the very beginning, she's been a huge fan of yours and supporting you. It's yeah, beautiful. It's been a real <laughs> blessing. Well, in any case, uh, Teresa, thanks again. We'll stay up to date with everything in your world and we'll keep following the tiger's journey. Okay. Sounds good. Right. Thank you so Thank much. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you found a lot of encouragement and inspiration from this episode. Look forward to seeing what you do based on the inspiration you gathered from Teresa. Until then, keep spinning ultra, everyone.